All right, is everybody warm? I was in the men's restroom standing under the hand dryer. <laughs> it didn't work. I am seriously, I'm freezing cold. I don't know. Well, anyway, I mean, you're saying, okay, get over it. Um, so, welcome to church tonight. Thanks for everybody who, who uh, made the meal that I didn't eat. I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, really, we do appreciate the food, the cake and all of that. Um, it's always a blessing, isn't it, when people work behind the scenes to get all these things done. Somebody had to hang the lights. And whoever went and picked up the heaters, thank you for the heaters. Those were great. Um, so it's a bit of a different format tonight. We can sort of relax a little bit. Not too much, but just a little bit. And uh, we'll look at some things in the Bible. And uh, we'll talk about some things in just a little bit of a different setting. Um, wasn't that, uh, that video that we watched, wasn't that confronting? Had you ever really thought about it from that perspective before? Um, that window, that 1040 window, is, um, is 10 degrees and 40 degrees north latitude, all right? And it stretches pretty much from, if you're looking at the globe this way, the world this way, you've got, you've got West Africa, and then you've got the other side of China, and you've got that strip, that window there, and uh, that's the, what we call the 1040 window. And uh, it's not the only place in the world, but there's the, the greater portion of the world's population lives in that window. And some of you are from that window originally. So you know a little bit about that part of the world. And it's just really confronting to see it graphically like that, you know, and just to realize how much uh, of a need is in that part of the world. So it's a, it's a sobering reminder of uh, the need to, uh, to pray, to give, to go, and just the work that needs to be done. So I'm glad, to, I'm glad that we saw that today. Um, it'd be good for us to just sort of watch that occasionally, wouldn't it, and just be reminded of it. Hey, this is Missions Conference, so we're just we're focusing on that, and, and you're here again. It's the, the third time that we've been here this week, um, and this is our focus. And so thank you for coming. I know it's a, a bit of a sacrifice of time and an unusual week, um, you know, as far as uh, just normal church attendance, but it's good that you came. And I pray that the things that we've, we've heard and seen and, and just discussed over the last couple of days are, are things that you're continuing to try to think about. Um, it's not just another time that we get together, but it's, just, it's important that we think. And uh, really, beyond that, guys, it's just important that we pray and just say, Lord, you know what, what do you want me to know about this? Uh, what do you want me to do about this? And uh, that's, that's really, I think, what the Lord is looking for with us. What, what do we need to do with what we've heard? So... Um, from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's good that we just kind of soberly go through this week and just really be thoughtful and prayerful about what it is God would have us to do. Uh, we're going to focus here in Philippians tonight, but before we do that, uh, Pastor wanted me to just share some things about, about our journey, okay? And so um, what he didn't tell you is that we charge $5 for every one of these cards. So see my wife after church, okay? These, um, these uh, God has... God has changed our direction as a family, as you can see on this, and uh, I, we appreciate the fact that God did that. We were, um, we were en route to go to the eastern side of the U.S. and, and work there, but uh, the Lord, about two months ago, uh, just changed our direction. It was just a, a stop from the Holy Ghost, and so I, uh, I canceled a couple of meetings I had ahead of me, and we just uh, we spent the week in prayer and just really seeking the Lord, and you know, when you hear a stop... Um, 
as a Christian, oftentimes what you do is you say, well, Lord, what does the stop mean and, and where's the go? And it just became very evident uh, over a period of time there that the Lord was redirecting us back here. And so, you know, we're pretty thrilled as a family about that. Um, and so the Lord has, I think the Lord has withheld some things over the last few years we've been away, um, you know, just a sense of maybe stability and, and um, some other things because he knew that he was going to direct us back to Australia. And so we're glad for the opportunity to come back, but the focus of what, what we'll do here uh, will be different um, from the standpoint of pastoring. Um, the, the thing that God has really laid on our hearts, I think most of you would be familiar with, it was what was happening uh, the last, I don't know, five or six years or, or longer probably that we were here, but it was just the real focus on the, the training and developing of, uh, of missionaries, the equipping, um, obviously the sending, the taking men to the fields, the, uh, the evangelizing of fields, and, and just missions in a, in a very direct sense not just here in Australia, but in the South Pacific and in parts of Asia. And, and so our focus is really just going to be that as we come back. It's going to be the, the equipping, the evangelizing. You can see a bit of that on the back here of the card. And then uh, there's a, a website, I think, that uh, we're, still, we're still working on the website. So if you go to that, you'll see that it, there's got some gaps in it. But um, God has given us the opportunity to come back and, uh, and work to that extent. So there's... Uh, there's a lot that, that God needs to do to show us as far as uh, just some specifics in, in various ways, but please pray with us about that. Pray that God would open some doors for us and provide for the things necessary for us to be able to get back here, but uh, we're sure excited about all of that. So uh, we are on deputation. We've, we've been on deputation before, but we're, we're doing that again, and so um, whenever we get the support raised that we need to have to come back this direction, well, we'll do that. So, Lord willing, um, maybe end of next year we'll be able to be back in Australia. But uh, just pray with us about that, that God would provide as, uh, as He intends to do, and uh, then we'd be able to get back and get started uh, in the work again. So I'm sure that as time goes by, we'll fill you in on uh, more of those details. Uh, tonight we're in the book of Philippians, all right? And um, <clears throat> we're just going to learn some things here. I won't be long. I know it's, uh, it's church tomorrow, and, and I'm mindful of that, and so... I just want to uh, spend just a, a bit of time and um, look at some things here, but I, I really do, this is an important time that we're going to spend tonight, and uh, we've looked at, at various other things with regards to missions, and really, you know, the last couple of, couple of nights have really just been focused, I think the Spirit of God has focused our attention on, uh, on us as individuals, and uh, because, mission, guys, listen, missions and everything about the, the spiritual life, it, it begins on the inside. You believe that? Everything that we are starts on the inside. And uh, so God is interested in the heart. And as we read through the Word of God, what we find is we find God dealing with every aspect of the heart. Um, if your marriage is going to be right, it's going to be because you are right in your heart. If your friendships and relationships with the brethren here in church, if, if those are going to be right, it's because your heart is right. If you're going to be faithful to the Lord, it's going to be because your heart is right but if you're unfaithful and you're you're unfriendly and your your marriage is wrong and that relationship has broken down somewhere in there there's a heart issue so when we talk about missions and just this one aspect of our spiritual life we need to understand that it, it all stems from the heart and so i think the lord has really got 
gone through some things with us in the last couple of nights about the heart, you know, what God intends for us and what the Bible has to say about, about who we are as believers and, and what that produces in our life. It, it all comes from the heart. So what we're going to look at tonight is, is another heart issue. And uh, we don't have to apologize for looking at this tonight. It's, it's something that God is going to speak to us about us. And so it's actually a really good thing. Everything that God can teach us is a positive thing, all right? We need to view it that way. It's good for us. And so Paul is writing this letter. As you know, you've read through Philippians, no doubt, many times in your spiritual life. But Paul commends the, the Philippian church for something. And if, uh, if Paul had written a letter to Southland, <clears throat> what would that letter be like? You think about the, the New Testament and the things that he wrote. Uh, what do we know about the church of Corinth? Would we call that a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Oh, man. It was a carnal church, wasn't it? Uh, you know how he defined that carnality? He said there was envying, there was strife, and there was division in the church. And so Corinthians was a letter of rebuke. Uh, if he was to write to the churches of Galatia, and that's what we were, well, what, were, what was the issue with the churches of Galatia? They had departed from the faith. They messed their doctrine up, and, well, that would have been a lousy church to get a letter from, right? I mean, there's several churches there, but, you know, we look at Ephesus. Now, they were faithful, and, and uh, so if, if Paul was to write a letter to us, what, what would that letter say? How would he view the church? That's a really confronting thought, isn't it? Um, in Philippi, there's things that he wrote, but he commends the church for something here, and he says, well done. I- I'm going to tell you something that you've done, and well done. And, and if you had the, the Apostle Paul's commendation, that's a great commendation. All right? Well done. So here's what he says. Philippians chapter 4. Again, these are, these are familiar things to you, but uh, we're going to drop down here to verse number 8. Finally, brethren. Philippians 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and, and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So he just he sums up the, the chapter, which is a, sum, a summary of the whole book. And he says, now, uh, I want you to think right. That's verse 8. Think right. And then verse number 9 is, uh, you have observed my life as the apostle, so I want you to do the things that you have seen in my life. Uh, Be a good follower because I'm following Jesus, and so you follow my example. That's what he says. And then he says, let me just tell you why I've rejoiced, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory 
by Christ Jesus. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into this tonight. <clears throat> Lord, thanks tonight for the great time that we've already had. Uh, we appreciate, Lord, that it didn't rain today. Thank you for the, the good weather, and, and though it was cold, we were able to be comfortable, and thank you for the food and, and uh, just the time we could spend together as we just enjoyed each other's company, Lord, and, and the fellowship of the brethren is just a great thing. Uh, but Lord, also, we've, we've sang a few songs and have just been reminded of how good it is to be saved and to have a God that's so good, and we appreciate who you are, Lord, and and uh, just the love that you have for us. But Lord, we've also been confronted as we've just considered a portion of our world that is such desperate need for the gospel. Not only are there very few laborers going to those places, but of all the, the many dollars around this entire world that are given to the cause of missions, so very few of those dollars go to that part of the world. And so Lord, we're, we're confronted as we think about those things. And Lord, we're reminded tonight that... Uh, we have gathered, it's been a sacrifice of our time and of our energy to be here, but Lord, we, we know that there's something you want to teach us tonight, so may we be attentive, Lord, and uh, just learn the thing you'd have us to learn uh, about reaching the world and your intent in that, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Paul said this uh, in, um, <clears throat> let's see, whatever verse it is, let me just see. Um, I should have wrote that down. Isn't that great? Well, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, he, he said that uh, they had sent some things to him. And he said, I have received the things that you sent. That is in uh, verse number 18. But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of, of Epaphroditus the things which were sent for me. I got to thinking about that. Paul said, I have received the things you sent to me. Now, we know Paul was the, the missionary, right? He was the preacher. He was the missionary. And at this stage, Paul is in jail. But Paul said, I've received something that you as a church sent to me. And he's talking about how much joy it brought to, to him as the, as the man of God that the people of God considered his need and, and sent to him so that he could do the thing that he was given to do. And I was just thinking through that. And, and I want to just give you some, some thoughts uh, about our giving and our stewardship uh, as it relates to missions. Because, brethren, we can't divorce the need and the laborer from the funding. You can't divorce that. They're all combined together. The, it's a big world, and uh, we need laborers, right? Do we believe that? We, we need laborers. Okay, so if we need laborers and we know that the need is great, then somebody has to pay the bills, and that's our responsibility, each one of us. And so God addresses that issue, and he commends the church for what they've done here. And so I just want to show you some things and just give you some practical thoughts. In no way tonight do I feel like the Spirit of God would have me to rebuke the church. I don't feel that that's the sense at all, and so that is not my intent. Um, but I will say this, that if you feel a rebuke tonight, then allow the Spirit of God to do that in you and, um, and adjust your life in whatever way God would have you to adjust it. Would that be a fair statement? So I'm not coming to you from the standpoint of, I believe you've done something wrong and I'm going to correct that. Uh, not at all. It, this is just a, these are some thoughts uh, from this chapter, and may the Lord use them uh, in your life, all right? Uh, first of all, this. I want you to look in verse number 10. Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Uh, I, here's, here's what I think. I think, first of all, in the church, that our giving may need to be revived. We're talking about giving, all right? Giving of our resources uh, for the cause of reaching the world. So let's be clear about what we're talking about. We're talking about dollars and cents. And 
and Paul said, I rejoiced because he said, your care of me at the last hath, hath flourished again. It's, it's been revived. There was a dip. There was a deficit. There was a dry spell. But Paul said, your, your care has flourished again. And I think sometimes in a church that our giving has to be revived. There needs to be a revival of of giving to missions in a church. Uh, because every church really has its ebbs and flows. That's sort of the normal, the, the normal course of, of the church. And, and in, our, in our individual lives, you know, our, our giving will have an ebb and a flow many times. And so sometimes the, the giving may need to be revived. And it's not a rebuke. It's just a, a refreshing, I think, of the vision to support missions work. He said, your care ha- of me hath, hath flourished again. You know, as we understand this, The only way to understand this is to go back to the origin of giving. Where does giving start? Starts on the inside. You agree? We we give not because we're compelled to give. Do you think that's the attitude that God wants us to have? It's okay, we can talk. Is that the attitude God wants me to have to give? I'm compelled to give. We don't give because the preacher gets up here and slams on the pulpit. That, that, that does not compel biblical giving. Why, why do we, what's the attitude of giving in the, in the Word of God? Does anybody know? So you can say it. Say it. It's cheerful. Uh, it's, it, it comes because on the inside, we're cheerful and we're rejoicing and we're, we're giving not because we're giving to a man or not because we're giving to an entity, but we're giving to the Lord. Uh, and there's joy and there's cheerfulness and there doesn't need to be an apology for saying that. That's just... That's the intent of God for our giving. God loves a cheerful giver, right? And so we've got to go back to the origin of giving and understand that, that giving comes from the heart. And brethren, in, in your individual life, uh, if, you're giving, if your giving to missions has ebbed, then it would indicate probably that there's maybe an issue in the heart in, in your life. Something has happened and maybe has interfered with that. And so we have to go back and we have to evaluate the heart condition a little bit. You know, what, what do we know that affects our heart spiritually? Our heart is affected by the Word of God, correct? So when we're spending time with the Lord and we're in the Word of God, then it's influencing the way that we think. That's the heart, the inner man. It's influenced by the Word of God. And so we know that the Word of God is vital to us and our giving. If you're here today and you say, well, look, I'm not really faithful in my giving then really what it comes down to uh, is this, that somewhere or another back, in, back a ways, uh, you have stopped investing your time in what God said. You have become deficient in your understanding of the Word of God, and it's influenced your heart, which has influenced your actions. Everything comes back to this book and our relationship with the God who wrote it, right? And from that stems our giving. And so... Uh, we've got to come back to understand that, that, that we're influenced by the Word of God. And, you know, we have life and we have the cares of life. And, and inevitably, those cares are going to interfere with what God is trying to do. Uh, you know the story. I may have referenced it this week. Uh, the parable that Jesus put forth about the sower and the seed. Do we know that story? Everybody knows that story? Okay, if it's starting to get hot in here, just fall asleep so we can turn it off, okay? Um, it's nice and toasty up here now. I don't know if it's what it's like. Um, the sower and the seed. And Jesus was talking about uh, that, that he, he sowed, that the sower sowed some into the, the, the thorny ground, right? And the thorns came up and what did they do? Does anybody know? They choked the word of God. And um, so the disciples said, will you please explain that? We don't understand. And, and what did Jesus say? He said, well, let me tell you what the, what the thorns are. Does anybody know what those were? He, he said, they're the, sorry, say it. 
Yeah, that's right. The cares of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches. Okay, hey, we, we live in a prosperous nation, guys. Many of you that, that came here from another country, uh, you came here to seek the prosperity of the nation. Nothing wrong with that. You understand here that, that God has prospered the nation. We live in a prosperous nation. But there, there comes a danger with prosperity. What's the danger? It's deception. There is a deception in prosperity. And so there's a deceitfulness of riches. And what, the, what that prosperity does is it tells you, it lures you into believing that your happiness, your contentment, your, your fulfillment in life is all wrapped around the dollars that you search for. Now, we all face that temptation. And so Jesus said there is a deception in riches, in prosperity. And, and so it's a reminder, it's a warning to us is what it is. He's not saying that prosperity is wrong. He's saying there's a deception in prosperity. Don't let your heart... Follow after that. Understand that you've been given that for a reason. You've been given it for a reason. And so what, what Jesus was saying in, in the book of Mark in chapter, I think it's four, when he talked about this issue, the sower and the seed, he, he was just relating to us that the, that the affairs and cares of life and the deception of riches, and then he talked about the fact that there's, there's just lusts of other things that enter into our life and it chokes the word of God and we become unfruitful. So we look at our giving and we say, you know what? I used to tithe, but I'm not really tithing anymore. That's, that's really not giving. That's just getting God's money out of our wallet. That's, that's what tithing is. That's not even giving. That's just, that belongs to the Lord. The tithe has always been the Lord's. Um, but, but giving is on top of that. And if you say, well, look, I'm not even really giving of my income and, and tithing of my income to the Lord. Well, if, if that's what's happening in your life right now, then, then somewhere or another, um, the word of God has become choked in your life and, and, uh, you need to understand that. There, there's a heart issue there with, with us, okay? And some Christians go through that. Maybe, maybe you're looking at your giving to missions and you're saying, well, look, I, I've sort of, I, I committed that I was going to give $100 a month, but, you know, I've sort of slacked off on that and, you know, I've missed a couple months and I've dropped it down and, you know, I haven't really done much that way, okay? Well, it, maybe it needs to be revived. And, and if that needs to be revived in you, it could just be that there's a, a heart issue and something has choked the Word of God and, and uh, you've become a bit unfruitful in that area of your life. And Paul uses the word in verse number 10, if you see that there, he says, your care of me hath, hath flourished again. I, I was thinking about that word flourished. You know, we're coming into winter now, and Australia's winters are great in comparison to the States. But we've just sort of come out of winter where we've been, and we're coming into the hotter months now. But you know, winter over there is ugly because everything dies. I mean everything. And you drive around and all you see is dead trees. It's just horrible. It's depressing. But spring is great, isn't it? The spring season, because what do you see? You see the budding and just the hints of green. And you see the dry tree or the, the, the barren ground, but there's just a hint of green. And you, you can't necessarily see uh, one blade of grass or one leaf, but what you can see is there's just a shade of green. And as time goes by, it flourishes again, you see? And that, that's just the, the, the picture that Paul is giving when he uses that word Flourish. He says, your care has flourished again. And that, that winter season makes something dormant. The trees go dormant. And the cares of life, they, 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 make, they make our giving go dormant. But it needs to be flourishing again. Your care has flourished again. You just, maybe some of us tonight, we just need to bud again. We need to flourish again in our giving, all right? And I think it's the value of the Word of God. It, it opens the eye. It changes the heart. It redirects the focus of our, of our resources. And he says, your care has flourished again. So I'm saying to you tonight that our giving may need to be revived. 
Are you okay with me saying that? Uh, maybe our giving needs to be revived. I'm speaking to you personally. I'm speaking to all of us. I'm speaking to me. It needs to be revived a little bit, okay? It, it, may have, it may have dwindled and died off a little bit. And Paul uses this statement here. Notice in verse number 10, you have your Bible there. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you, will, you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Um, let's talk about the opportunity for just a minute. We're talking about the opportunity to support missions. Paul is directly dealing with money in relation to the, the spreading of the gospel, okay? Uh, you know there's ample opportunity to, to support the work of God. Would you agree with that statement? There is more than enough opportunity. You know, I, I realize that in Australia, we don't have a lot of missionaries running around. And many times at a missions conference, we've got to try to find a missionary to get him in. So I understand that there's a dearth of men that are going. We, we understand that. Um, but just because there's a, there's a dearth of men in our country that are willing to go does not mean that there's not an opportunity, more than opportunities than anybody could ever possibly hope to help that, that, and needs to support the work of missions. I wish that we had been able to interview all of the missionaries that we support here. And we had them all on the platform, and there's 20 of them, 20 of them that we support, okay? And uh, Brother Jim, you're here. And no doubt if we, if we stood you up and said, um, tell, us, tell us a need that, that you have, two or three or four needs. Do you know any off the top of your head right now that you could share? I'm I, sorry to put you on the spot. And it's okay if you, if you don't think of one. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you this. Um, they, they put like a billion kilometers on their car as they're driving. So let me tell you about a practical need that, that they would have. At some stage down the road, they're going to need a new car. This isn't a luxury. This is a huge part of their ministry, understand, to get where they have to go. They're driving out there, and it's 46 degrees. They can't be driving a 40-year-old car, you understand? So they would have a legitimate need. Well, how much is that going to cost? To buy a, a good vehicle is probably 50, 60 grand. Uh, many of us wouldn't even blink to go get a loan for 50 or 60 grand to buy a personal vehicle, okay? So what I'm saying is these are legitimate needs, and that's, that's just one sort of small need in relation to one ministry, and then we've got 20 missionaries that we support um, or missionaries out of Australia. So what I'm saying is it's, it's not a matter of is there opportunity, you understand? This church, this church cared, and they were looking for an opportunity, and Paul says, ah, uh, you've seen the opportunity in my life, and your care has, has flourished again. There's a care there. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Um, are we careful? You know what the word careful means? It's a strong desire. Do we think about and strongly desire to meet the needs of missions? I'm asking you the question. I, I don't want to preach. I'm not preaching. I, I'm trying to teach you something. Care. Would that describe how you view giving to missions? I care about this. I am, I am passionate about this. It's a deep desire, okay? My dad used to say this to me when I was a kid. I didn't often have money, but when I was able to get some money, you're supposed to work to earn money, and, and I had a strong aversion to work when I was a kid, so I didn't actually have any money. But when I ever got some, my dad used to say something to me. He'd say, that money is burning a hole in your pocket. Have you ever heard that expression? Did anybody as other's father ever say that to them? Yeah, you never had any money like I didn't have any money. Um, my, that's what my dad used to say. He said, that money is burning a hole in your pocket. You know why? Because everywhere I went, I wanted to buy something. You know, I might have had $5, but I wanted to buy, you know, 50 candy bars and whatever else. 
okay, I had a strong desire to spend my money. That's what I'm saying. And oddly enough, all these years later, I still have the same desire. I don't know. But um, when it comes to giving to missions and supporting the work of God, is your money burning a hole in your pocket? Is there an intensity of desire? Are you careful? You understand what he's saying there? You had a strong desire to support and do and give, not of your time, of your resources, of your money, so that you could help me. And and that's what God is talking about here. Paul is just reflecting on uh, what the church did for him. And he said, I rejoiced greatly that that's happened. Your giving has been revived. Uh, You you had a great care and you lacked opportunity, but, but now the opportunity is here. And so I'm saying to you, brethren, listen, there's great opportunity. Uh, the Agateps are going to the mission field. There's opportunity. They, there's a need for money for them to do the work of God. Well, the Soren is going to the mission field. There, there he is. Um, it was just a general point that way. Uh, there's a need. There's a need to support the work of missions. You understand? We have to have a strong care, which means this, that as a church, uh, it may need that, that our giving needs to be revived. It needs to flourish again, okay? So that's what Paul's talking about. Let's, let's move on then, and it sort of flows together. Verse number... Um, Verse number 12 and 13 is basically Paul saying, um, I'm okay no matter what. That's what he's saying. I can do all things, all right? But I want you to notice verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, we need to have an active concern. I said, first of all, that our giving may need to be revived, but we as church members, brethren, listen, we need to have an active concern, an active concern. He said, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. All right, to communicate with his affliction is this. Communicate is to give. The affliction was the need. You you follow what I'm saying? So if they're going to communicate, which is what, church? To give, say it with me, to to give. I know it hurts us to say the word, doesn't it? To give. If if we're going to communicate, which is to, to give, then we have to know what the need is. They communicated with his affliction. They have to be an informed people. Guys, listen, we need to be informed about the needs. If we're going to communicate and give to it, we have to have information. You know whose job that is? It's our job. It's not a prayer letter that a missionary has to plea. It's our job as brethren to prayerfully and strongly desire to know the need so that we can help meet the need. It's active on the part of the church, brethren. It's not the missionary who has to come and and act like the moochinary. Have you heard that word? It drives me nuts when I hear that word. As if they have to grovel because they need the resources to do their work. It's our responsibility to be informed as to the needs so that we can actively meet that need, okay? So we need to be an informed people uh, about the needs of missions, which is why I'm saying we need to have an active concern, all right? And I want you to notice now the commendation of the Spirit of God. He said, ye have well done. Hey, listen, Paul was the human author, but it was the Spirit of God who wrote this. And here's what he says to the church, well done. If, if I was to interview you individually as a child of God tonight, every single person, including me, every single one of us would say this. When I get to heaven and I stand before Jesus Christ, I want to hear the words, well done. He's the one who said that that's what he's going to say to us if we've done well. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay, we want to hear him say well done, correct? 
He already told you here what the Spirit of God thinks about a job well done. And what was it? How we give to missions. You want to hear him say, well done? Then be informed as to the need of God's men around the world and meet that need for them. Because they are, go they are going in obedience to the call of God, in obedience to the command of God, and in our stead. Because God didn't call us there. God sent them there. So we have an obligation now to meet that need, and it's our responsibility to do it. And you know... Again, I come back to the, the way we give should be cheerful. We should be rejoicing in this, right? And I'm not saying that we don't. I think when you give, you, you give out of joy. It ought to be that way, right? And so we should look at this and say, okay, the Spirit of God has said, um, uh, well done that you did this. I want you to notice something about this. Paul said in verse number 14, notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. I want you to notice they were not commended for only finding out what was needed, but for actually doing something about the need. That's like Brother Jim, if he, if he limped in here in his, in his uh, little ute that was broken down, and, and he stands up and says, look, the, the reality is I, I need a new Land Cruiser. How much does a new Land Cruiser cost? 80 grand? Okay. He says, um, I need a new Land Cruiser. And, you know, Brother Herb, you just happened to be at the Land Cruiser dealer today, and, uh, you know, just... You didn't tell your wife, but you were just looking around. And, um, and you saw that the, that the newest model with everything, and, and it was 80 grand. And you stood up and said, yeah, you know, I was just down there and found out it was 80 grand. And, there, and the church goes, wow, okay, 80 grand. Thanks, Brother Jim. Yeah. See you next missions conference. That's not what we're supposed to do. He commended them, because, not just because they found out what the need was, but because they, they gave to meet the need. We're going to meet the need. And the Spirit of God said, well done. So he said, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate uh, with my affliction. I want you to keep your finger here, but turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Is everybody okay tonight? Are, are, we too, are we too warm? No? I see some people nodding off and, you know. Look, I'm used to that whole thing. You know. it's, so I'm not offended, but if you're hot, just take your coat off, all right? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter number, uh, chapter number 8. You probably know these verses, but I want you to notice in the context of what we're talking about here, verse number 10. Here's what Paul said to the church of Corinth. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 10. He said, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. It's best for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. All right, so here's what it was. A year ago, Paul was coming through, and, and the brethren knew about the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem, all right? There was a famine there, and the brethren were without. And so what Paul did was he, he communicated with them about the, the issue, and he informed them of the need. And everybody got excited and said, man, we need to do something to meet that need. That was a year ago. And so Paul said, well, listen, I'm going to come back through and the next time I come back through, whatever it is you guys decide to do, give it, and you have some people that will come with me, and you collect all of that that you're going to give, and those people will come for an accountability point of view, and they'll come with me, and we'll go to Jerusalem, and we'll give all of that, whatever you're going to give, we'll give that to the poor saints. Okay, that's the context. And so what Paul is saying now is he says in verse number, uh, verse number 10, he says, let me give you some advice. This is best for you because... You began 
not only to do, to be forward a year ago. So to be forward was uh, you, you desired and you said you were going to do something about it. There was a strong desire on your part, and that was great that you did that. But notice what he said in verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. Hey, guys, listen. Do what you intended to do. Do what you said you were going to do. Listen, I don't know what your giving is like when it comes to missions, but the thing that the Spirit of God has told you that He wants you to do with, with that portion of your money, and He wants you to give that, that portion of your money for the, for the work of, of missions, um, it's one thing to say, this is what I'm going to do, but it's an entirely different thing to actually do it, isn't it? And you're going to notice that, that you can have a desire to give of your resources to the Lord and to His work, and then something's going to come up, and you're going to need new tires on your car, and your air conditioning in the house is going to break down, and something's going to happen, and suddenly you're confronted with this, what do I do moment. Have you been there? And what do I do with this? Okay, here's what I say. Perform the doing of it. The Lord said, this is what I want you to do, and you've been, uh, you've been assured that this is the Spirit of God saying, uh, this is whatever the portion of your income I want you to give. And so you said, Lord, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this because you told me to give it, and I have it to give. And if something else comes in that I can't control, God, you're going to take care of this because you've told me that this is what I have and I'm going to give of what I have. You follow what I'm saying? Perform the doing of it. And so uh, just evaluate your giving here and kind of the way the last year has been. And if you've slacked in that area, then I think you just need to get that fixed and say, Lord, I'm going to do the thing you told me to do. It's, it's uh, the commendation they got is not just because they had a desire to do it, but because they actually did it, all right? So there needs to be a genuine concern. Go back to Philippians chapter 4. So Paul says, um, he says, well done. You have well done that you communicated with my affliction. Uh, do you know the needs of your missionaries? You know, church, you, you know that I love you. I'm your friend, okay? So let me, let me just tell you this. Um, we support the missionaries that are on the back there. I'm assuming that all the missionaries we support are represented in some way back there, okay? Uh, and every now and then they're going to send a prayer letter and we're going to have access to that. But what we as a church need to do is have a genuine concern to seek out the needs of the missionaries. Paul said in verse number 15, look at chapter 4 and verse number 15. He said, Philippians, here's what you know. That in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Hey, listen, here's what they said. You cared enough that when I went out, even though nobody else cared and asked, you did. And you wanted to know what was going on with me. You wanted to know what my needs were. And as a church, you communicated with me. That, that means you gave to me so I could do the work of God. These missionaries that go out and do the work, okay, they have needs. It's not just enough to have the, the money that they need to, to live and pay their bills. There's ministry needs and there's significant ministry needs. And we need to be actively concerned about that. And we need to communicate and find out what those needs are and constantly meet the need. What can we do? We can constantly meet the need. Can I ask you a question? Uh, do you think that God will let us um, or let himself be a debtor to man? You understand what I'm saying? Do you think God will allow himself to be a debtor to me? To where I say, God, you owe me. There's no way. Matter of fact, the Lord said it this way. Um, he that hath pity on the poor and lendeth, he lends to the Lord. And he will repay him, God said. You know what God's saying? 
I will not be a debtor to you. If you see the need and you meet the need, God says, I will repay you for doing that. Okay? Well, that is fantastic. You can't get any better giving than that right there. You observe the need, God touches your heart, you meet the need, and God says, I'll pay you back. You can't beat that. And in the context of missions, brethren, you understand the results that we get out of that spiritually when we just say, God, they're doing the work, they're serving you, their souls are being saved, the seed is being sown into an area of this country which is desperately in need of hearing the gospel. So God, we're going to give and we're going to give and we're going to give and to give. That's what we're going to do. We're going to communicate with, with their needs and God, we're just trusting you're going to pay us in whatever way you want to pay us, you're going to pay us back for it. We don't give to get, but we give and God says, I'll pay you back. And it's not always financially, is it? But that's the way God works, all right? So we need to have a, an understanding of this, this, this concern. And I think the great temptation of the church is to withhold from the missionary. Here's what we do. When there's ever a crisis in church finances, and it happens in every church, when there's ever a, a crisis in church finances, the greatest temptation that the church has is to withhold the missionary support. Everything else is going to stay the same, but we'll just cut the missionary. I don't understand why we do that. I don't mean we like the church. I've just seen it so many times. I don't understand that. Why is our first thing to say, well, we're just going to cut the missionary? That is dead set the wrong thing to do. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of friends in ministry that have told me this uh, and that have done this. And basically, there was a certain season in their church where some things kind of went sideways and, and the giving went down and, you know, the church had something unexpected and they just faced a bit of a problem. Not because there was sin and nothing like that. It was just they faced a financial problem. It just hit the church. You know what they decided to do? We're going to take on a couple missionaries. That's what they did. They just said, you know what? We're just going to take on a couple missionaries. We're in trouble financially. So we're going to take on some missionaries. And so everybody dug a little deeper and gave a little more. And you know what God did? He pulled them out. But sometimes what we have a temptation as a church to do is say, well, whenever we're hitting some rough water financially, we're just going to withhold our mission support. That's the wrong thing to do. That is dead set the worst thing that you can possibly do as a church, all right? And the great sin of the church, the temptation of the church is to withhold mission support. The sin of the church is just not to care at all. Um, that's the sin of the church, um, to not care. We need to genuinely care. You know the Good Samaritan when he went and did what he did? I think he crossed the road and gave to that man. You know that he gave of his money, right? I think he did that just because he wanted to, because he cared. And I think God commended him for it. He cared. And that's why I want to be that way, don't you? I just want to care where the Lord commends me for it. He says, well done, you've cared, and you've done something about it. And that's what Paul was talking about here, all right? So I think that over the years, by the way, I think that to be one of the single greatest reasons that God has blessed this church. I believe that. Because maybe not everybody, but there was a certain percentage of this church that cared and has given and many times has sacrificed. And I think that's the reason God's blessed the church. And that blessing will continue that way. So we need to have an active concern for the missionary. Are we doing okay? All right. Uh, so we're back in Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to notice what he says in verse number 15. He said, so um, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now notice verse 16. He said, even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. All right, our giving needs to be a consistent priority. Okay, listen, our giving needs to be a consistent priority. 
consistent priority. Now, there's really two ways in our society we can practically do this, in our culture. Here's, here's way number one. If we're disciplined enough and we've got a good reminder on our phone, we can bring our missions offering in, you know, like once a month or once a fortnight, and we can give it. And I think that's a great way to do it because it, remind, it just keeps it fresh in our mind that we're giving to the Lord and we're giving this much. I think it's a great way to do it. But, you know, not all of us are that disciplined and scheduled. Are you, are you like me where I just kind of forget? I don't know, maybe I'm the only guy in church that forgets, but I do. I, sometimes I forget. So there's another way we can practically do it. I'm sure it's set up where you can just give online automatically. So if you said, well, Lord, I'm going to give $100 a month, then you just set it up and that $100 goes out every month. Okay? It's good to do it that way, but we, just, we can't let it become something that drifts off in the background with the rest of our bills and we forget what we're doing. You understand? So it's, we've got to keep it fresh one way or another. But it needs to be a consistent priority. And Paul said, he said, you sent once and again unto my necessity. It was just a consistent thing with you as a church. And remember what the Spirit of God said, well done. Well done. You've consistently given. Well done, okay? So we need to understand the principle here. Uh, Paul, he, he was an itinerant single man. And I know that Paul had needs, but you know, I mean, how much does a single guy need in comparison to a man with a family? So we need to understand the church gave to meet his needs and they gave a certain amount and that was great. But that, that is exponentially increased in our culture, in our society today, when, when a, a missionary and their family go to the mission field, um, it's a lot. It costs a lot of money. And we just need to embrace the truth of that and not worry about it. It costs a lot of money. Okay, it's going to cost a lot of money. We've got to do what needs to be done. And, and that's what was happening here. They sent once and again uh, to Paul's necessity. It's, uh, it's interesting. I was thinking about this today. Because we know that it costs so much money to send a missionary family, do you think, consider this with me, do you think that maybe that's the reason that God has increased the wealth of this nation? He increases our wealth, not so that we can enrich ourselves, but so that we have the resources to enrich, take that the right way, but to enrich the missionary so that they can go do the work they're supposed to do. Don't you think that maybe that's the reason God has increased the wealth of Australia? Not so that we can hoard it, but so that we can give it to those who have a need. I understand in the Philippines, you know, we, Filipino missionaries, they're going to go out and they're going to get X number of pesos to go out and do the work. And it doesn't take them near as much money to live as it does somebody from Australia. Okay, that's the fact, is it not? So they are able to raise support in that country and they're able to go to some very difficult places that many times people like me couldn't go to and survive. But they go and they thrive, all right? But it doesn't take as much for them. But somebody that's raised in this culture, it's just, we're not making an, an excuse for it. We're just saying this is what it is. It costs a lot of money. I think maybe God has enriched Australia for that reason. And I think we just need to reconsider the why behind it all. Maybe God has put us here and maybe God has prospered this nation, but the intent of God's prosperity was not so that we could rich and enrich ourselves, but so that we could give in a greater way because we have a greater capacity, all right? So our giving needs to be a consistent priority. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to to uh, regularly and generously contribute to the needs of the men of God. I don't think so. Let me give you an illustration. I really don't know how many church members are here in the church. Uh, there, there's 200. Do you know how many people are in the membership? So, so let's just say there's 200 people that have a job. 
Not even a full-time job. You might have a part-time job. If 200 people only ever gave $100 every month to missions, somebody do the quick math, what does that work out to be? 200 people given $100. How much is that? That's 20,000, 20 grand. Can I ask you a question? For those of you that have a full-time job, can we just be honest? We're just being honest, right? Um, is $100 a, a month an unreasonable amount of money to give to missions? Do you think? 100 bucks. Listen, you know as well as I do that if we take the family out for a day out, we're going to drop a whole lot more than 100 bucks just having fun with our family. Nothing wrong with it. All I'm doing is giving you a comparison. I'm just trying to provoke you to think about this. So if 200 people in the church just simply gave $100, that's 20 grand a month. How much do you think that we as a church could do for the support and work of missions if there was 20 grand a month coming in for missions? That's only, that's everybody with a part or a full-time job just make, giving $100, okay? I'm talking about an equality of giving, which is not reality. I understand that, okay? Some will give more, some will give less. But guys, can I, I'm just asking you a question. Is it unreasonable for us to think this way? It's just $100 a month. Many of us in the room wouldn't even blink with 100 bucks. We wouldn't even notice it. Well, praise the Lord for that, okay? So I'm just saying to you that we ought not to think it's unreasonable to say, you know, I think that we could do a whole lot more than we're doing. Um, my understanding is this, that last year, the annual support for missions was just under 70 grand. I know there was others, other things that were designated to missions and, you know, gifts and things of that nature, but, but let's just take the 70 grand because that's the reality of what was given last year that way, okay? So if you break that down, 70 grand, you break it down this way, that works out to be $5,700 a month, $5,700 a month or uh, $1,300 a week, okay? That's, let's go by weekly. So I'm just trying to maybe give you a picture, all right? If that's the case, if we estimate then that there's only 100 members that have a job, just 100 members that have a job in the church, even part-time job. That means 100 people gave $13 a week. 13 bucks. I'm ashamed to admit it, but uh, the other day I was, I was tempted to go to McDonald's, and I did. Sorry. And I got a meal. And it was almost 13 bucks. I, can't, I'm so, I feel like I need to confess, but it was almost like $13 for, for a meal with the fries. They make good fries. And, and Coke, 13 bucks. And you know as well as I do that that's what you do. So I'm just trying to paint a picture. Are we okay with this? I'm not rebuking you. I'm just saying, if, if only 100 people in this church had even a part-time job, then that means that that 100 people only gave $13 a week last year. So just trying to paint some perspective on like regular missions giving, okay? So what I'm saying is if, if everybody in the church just gave and said, Lord, we're, we're going to commit to giving, and wouldn't it be great if the church had a goal to say, we, we want to give $20,000 in a month? Here's what I think. I think not only would God bless that, but God would reveal to the church the needs for that money. Because not, God, God's not going to have the money so it can just sit in a storehouse. The money is meant to give to support the work. And here's what I know, I, I can already tell you, I know a ton of people that have a ton of missionary needs right now, and there's no money to meet those needs. And it's not because the money's not in our churches, it's just because we're not giving. It's just like I was talking to Pastor Shavoni last week, 
when I was preaching for him. And we were having this discussion about missions. And I said, I said, preacher, I said, as, as I look at the churches of Australia, uh, it's not that there's a lack of manpower. Because every church that I've been in has able-bodied uh, young and older men. They're, they're sitting in church. The problem is not that there's no men and there's a dearth of men, so we need to have missionaries coming from outside the country. The problem is the surrender and a willingness for these men to do the work of God. And I think it's that way with money, too. It's not that we don't have money. It's that we don't what? Don't get mad at me. I'm just I'm saying that's the reality of it, okay? So I th I'm just trying to provoke you a little bit, but in a good way. And I, our giving needs to be a consistent priority. And Paul said, even in Thessalonica, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent to me once and again unto my necessity. And, and that's the thing that God applauded there, all right? Uh, our giving needs to be a consistent priority. Are we okay with that? Um, now, let me give you the last thought and we'll be done because it's Saturday night, all right? We're back in Philippians 4. And Paul said, look, I, I don't desire a gift. Verse 17, it's not that I'm looking for charity. I'm not looking for a handout. He said, my desire is that fruit would abound to your account. And I know, here's what he's saying, I know that, that you love the Lord and you want to give to the work of God, so you're giving to me. And Paul said, I benefit from that so I can do the work, but I know this, that when you give, there's fruit to your account. God, God, God has given fruit to you. So Paul's saying it's not about me, all right? Um, verse, verse number 18, he says, but I have all, all that you sent me, and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent for you. An odor of a sweet smell, here's the word, look at it, a sacrifice. Oh, man, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. All right, so let me just tell you this. This, this is a principle. Here it is. Um, any sacrifice, any sacrifice will be repaid by the Lord. Any sacrifice. What, what do we see in verse number 18? A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. You sacrificed and you gave. And then he says that God's going to meet your needs. Whatever need you, you have because of that sacrifice that you may have given, God's going to take care of you. Hey, listen, can I tell you this? Not all giving is a sacrifice. If we were to pull our wallet out tonight and look, you know, there would be a variation. Some would have 100, some would have 20, some would have 5. Okay? Um, so you could give something out of your wallet and... It, it, it may be what was in your wallet, but it may not be everything that's in your bank account. It may not hurt you. But there may be somebody here tonight, and if you gave $20, that's a sacrifice for you. And so not all giving is a sacrifice. But at some stage in our spiritual life, brethren, it's good for us to sacrifice to the Lord. If only so that we can say to the Lord and demonstrate, God, I just I want to demonstrate to you that my faith is not in the dollar bill. My faith is in you. So I'm going to give because it hurts me a little bit, because I need to be reminded that my faith and reliance is upon you. You understand? And if you give that way and you sacrifice to the Lord, God said, I'll meet your need. I'll take care of you. It's just a promise of the Lord. So if you give and you sacrifice and you're giving, he says, I'll repay that. And he said, giving is fruit to your account. I desired fruit that may abound to your account. All right? I just think that uh, whatever we do out of love for God and love for the brethren, God said, I'm going to meet your need. Now, this is exciting, brethren, as we think about it. It's exciting to think about what God could do through us. It's not because of it's, it's our desire. I think it's God placing his desire within us. Do you, okay, question for you. Uh, does, does God desire missionaries to go to the mission field? Does anybody disagree with that statement? We're all in agreement. Okay. Um, 
does God drop money out of the, out of, out of the sky? Wouldn't that be great? I'd buy a plane ticket, we'd be here tomorrow. Just one bag of gold, you know, drop it right here. Okay, but that doesn't happen. So God chooses to use, correct? He, he chooses to use us. So that means that God is going to give us the resources that we need to have to meet the need, correct? Any, anybody not clear on this? Okay, so we, we know that God intends to send a missionary, and God doesn't drop money out of the sky. He gives us the money, so it's our responsibility to give. And then he says, now, if you'll just have the right heart about it and you'll be cheerful about it, I love that about you. God loves a cheerful giver. I love that about you. And when you do that, and if it's a sacrifice to you, then I will repay that sacrifice. I will meet your need. I will not be a debtor to you. You're going to give to me because you love me, and I'm going to repay you. It may not be dollar for dollar, but God always gives more. Uh, what's Luke 6 and verse 38 say? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Do we believe that? Guys, this is not a plea for money. That's not what this is about. This is a heart issue. That's all. This is teaching on the heart. God says, now, you give, and it'll be given unto you, and here's what I'll do. Uh, it'll be a good measure. I'm going to fill that cup back up. Then I'm going to press it down, and we're going to fill it back up again, and I'm going to keep doing that until we can't fill it up, we can't press it down anymore. Good measure, uh, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? Because God says, with whatever me, uh, measure you, you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. I, I will give you, and I will give you in kind, and I will give you more than you give. But again, guys, I'm not saying, this is not prosperity. I'm not saying that you're going to get rich because you give to the Lord. God can bless us in so many ways, brethren. God blesses in so many ways. Uh, so ours is just to have the right heart and to give. And so it's got to be a consistent priority and, and recognize that if we sacrifice, God says, I'll repay that. Um, I'll repay that back to you. And to me, that's just a tremendous joy and a tremendous blessing. So the last part of what I want to say then is this. He said in verse number 18, I desire that fruit would abound to your account. Now listen to me. Listen, this is important. Because when we talk about our giving, we need to understand this. Their giving was not based on a return on investment. Well, we think that Paul is going to be really fruitful where he's going, and so we're going to give to Paul, but, you know, uh, uh, but Barnabas, he's gone into this city, and look, I really don't think that Barnabas is going to be very fruitful, and so we're not going to give so much to Barnabas. That's not the way that they were giving. They gave because they loved the Lord, and this was the man that, that God was using, and they were given to that man, okay? So we need to understand when we give, we give to the Lord. And if this is the direction God has given us to give, well, we give in that direction. And whether we see a whole lot of visible fruit or not, that's not for us. Do you understand? Because there can be a missionary going to, let's just pick a country. Um, well, look, let's just pick the Philippines. It's a great example. Uh, people are getting saved all over the place in that country. And still today, out of the hundreds of millions of people that live there, there's missionaries and men of God from other countries and within that country that are preaching the gospel, and every time it's preached, people are getting saved. Okay, that happens. But you can move to another part of this world, and you can have that same missionary with the power of God and the Spirit of God who could preach the same gospel, and nobody gets saved. You know why? Because one guy is reaping and one guy is plowing. And our job is to support, whether he's reaping or whether he's plowing. 
It's not about an ROI. We're not looking at what the return on our investment is. What we're saying is, God, you have given this man a commission. You have given us a command. You have enabled us and given us the wealth and resources. We're going to give, and whatever fruit comes out of that, that's your compartment, God. That belongs to you. Our job is to take and give. That's what our job is, okay? So we just have to be clear on that. And Paul said, when you give, there's fruit that abounds to your account. God says, I'm going to bless you for it, all right? So it's important to understand that. So in conclusion tonight, then this. Does your giving need to be revived? <clears throat> I would just assume for, for probably most of us in the room, maybe we just need a bit of a reset. Maybe some of us need to say, God, it's just like the winter season has come into my, into my giving and it, it's just, it's dwindled and it needs to bud again. Would that be okay to say that? And maybe for some of us, we just need to revive our giving. Only the Spirit of God can, can tell you that, but I would, I would probably venture to say this, that if that's true in your life, then you already know that. I, I believe the Spirit of God's probably already told you tonight. It just needs to be revived, okay? Um, the second question is this, do you have an an active concern for the needs of missions and the work of God. An active concern. Well, I didn't give because I didn't know. Well, did you seek? Were you asking questions? Uh, We have missionaries and we have their prayer cards. You have them in your home. Uh, And on every prayer card I've ever seen ever, the missionary's phone number and their email address is all right there. And if you don't know how to do that, they usually have a snail mail. And if you don't know what to do about that, they have ascending church. Uh, we have ample resources and opportunity to find the needs rather than we have an obligation. So the question is, do we have an active concern for that? Uh, thirdly is this, is your giving a consistent priority in your life? I'm going to give this way consistently because it matters. It's a priority. Just like my tithe belongs to the Lord, this amount of money that I give to missions, this is a priority in my life. And remember this, any sacrifice will be repaid by the Lord. You know, tomorrow night, tomorrow night we're going to take up our our faith promise commitments indicating what we're going to do for our regular support of missions. And may God help us, even tonight, to maybe just put some things away, not go distract ourselves with other things when we leave church tonight. And tomorrow, maybe we'll be a little bit more focused on some things as we think about, you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I could easily give a fair bit more than I'm giving to missions every month. And I'm just going to commit to the Lord for the next 12 months. I want to give this. Maybe we could just all join together in prayer and say, God, would you enable us to give $20,000 a month? Instead of the four or five that we're giving now, and thank the Lord for it. But for those of us that have jobs in the church this size, could we just not pray? Would it be unreasonable to say, God, would you just en- enable us and enable me to do my part? so that we could give $20,000 a month. And then, God, when, when that money starts coming in, give us the wisdom to disperse it and give it to the needs of the gospel around the world. May God help us with that tonight. Let's have a word of prayer tonight, if we could. And I do want to give you an opportunity to respond just, just very briefly. I don't think we need the pianist tonight, but um, even now, if the Lord is just speaking to your heart in some way, why don't you just go ahead and, and pray. But let me just have a word of prayer. And Brethren, I, I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to pray. So, uh, Father... Uh, We do approach you with humility, knowing, God, that you have increased our wealth, and we're we're thankful. We're humbled by it, Lord, that we really are a prosperous people. Thank you for it. We know that it is your blessing. But, Lord, perhaps we've learned tonight and been, been reminded that maybe you gave us that 
so that we could support in a greater way. Maybe it's not so that we could buy bigger and better and newer and more, but Lord, so that we could keep the same standard of living but increase our giving. And so, Lord, help us tonight to that end. And I just pray that whatever it is that the Spirit of God has done in our hearts tonight, that we'd respond the right way. And, and, uh, that, but, Lord, that we would respond. It's not enough to be aware of it. We have to do something about it. And so, Lord, I pray that the church would, would have a revival of missions giving, that it would just flourish again. And, uh, Lord, that we would take an active concern for those that are on the fields and serving the Lord and we just consistently give out of a joyful and generous heart. And, uh, Lord, that you just adjust our heart condition about this, this matter, if it needs to be adjusted tonight. So, Lord, please bless to that end as we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand